at Heart of the Bay. And I want to thank Pastor Esteban and his beautiful wife. Again, they've been a beautiful, beautiful host. And just, you know, the family. And uh, really, when I come up here, I come to family. Amen. And I'm so blessed to be able to be here with you guys. And today, he took me to my first ever A's game. And I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. I got to be honest. I was rooting for the A's because they were playing the Astros. And right now, the Dodgers don't like the A's. And so uh, we had a great time. Even though I felt like I was in a prison, to be honest, though. I don't know that stadium. I don't know what it is. Just surrounded by concrete and all that. <laughs> but we had a great, great time. And it's just been wonderful. Amen. These past few days, we've really been enjoying ourselves. And it's just so great to see many of you receive healings and breakthroughs and God touching you. And that's why we do what we do because... We want to see your lives touched by the power of God. Can I hear an amen? So if you're ready for that touch and ready for God to speak to you one more time, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me one more time. Take a hold of your Bible. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 15. The book of Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to start reading in verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, you can look there on the screen. And you can follow right along with me. The book of Matthew, chapter 15. And it reads like this. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Tonight I want to speak on the subject, Just Give Me a Crumb. Somebody say, Just Give Me a Crumb. Come on, Simon, Just Give Me a Crumb. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your anointing that's been taking place and moving these past couple of nights. And I pray that tonight it will just go to another level, God, that your anointing will come in strong, will break every yoke of bondage, remove every burden. I pray for complete liberty, freedom, healing, deliverance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory and the praise in advance, Lord. We know that you're going to do powerful things tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts, and everybody shouts. Before you see it, give five people a high five and tell them, just give me a crumb, just give me a crumb. And you may be seated. It's also great to see the pastors from Pacifica. Thank you for being here with us, amen. Great to have you guys. Just give me a crumb. You know, one of the things about being in youth ministry, the gang for so long, I love, uh, we do these winter retreats. And, uh, you know, one of the things that makes it so fun about these winter retreats 
is the traveling to the retreat. You know, and for us, I'm sure you guys do it up here, but for where we're at, uh, we take buses. Buses, right? It was the first time ever we did a United Winter Retreat a few years ago, and we went to Glorieta, New Mexico. You know, me being the gang leader there at that church, you know, I'm going to be the good example, lead the way. So I'm going to go on the bus with our young people. Normally, I don't do that. Normally, I fly. Hello, somebody. Right? Like I flew up here. Flying tomorrow. Right? And but this I'm saying, you know, I'm going to be a good gang leader, good example. So I'm going to take the bus. And it's a 20-hour bus drive. But, you know, I'm going to be an example. So I took the bus. I got on the bus. And for some reason, I just, man, for some reason, I just bumped the wrong foot with the bus driver. I don't know what in the world. I just, for some reason, just in the beginning, before we even left our church, we started arguing. He wanted, like, four seats for him and his other friends. I said, bro, I got this bus packed out. You're lucky you got two seats, right? And all of a sudden, as we're journeying to Gloria, New Mexico, it's 20 hours. We need to get there. You know, registration opens at 3 o'clock. I'm trying to get there on time. And if you know me, I'm like an on-time person. So I want to get there at 3 o'clock on the dot. So I have this whole map scheduled out, right? And so all of a sudden, it happened. This guy starts taking multiple stops out of nowhere, delaying our travel time. And all of a sudden, now I'm delaying. Now I'm like, flipping out. My wife's right next to me and she's like, babe, it's okay, it's cool. We're going to get there. Come on, no, 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 no. This guy, he, he's leaning on his own understanding. So all of a sudden, we, t- we take an unnecessary stop and he starts saying that it was one of the other people on one of our young leaders on the other bus that says for us to stop. So I'm saying, who's saying that? Because they're not in charge. Well, they told us to stop. I'm like, well, whoever's saying that, they're not in charge. I'm in charge. Hello, somebody. Right? So I called all the other bus drivers, and I'm like, hey, who's, who on your bus is saying? He goes, not us. He was. Our bus driver. So all of a sudden, I found that this dude is lying to me. I blew it. Pastor Phil got in the flesh. I didn't even care what young people were around, what other leaders. I was about to knock this fool out. Literally, my wife was right there. Guys had to restrain me. I was so mad. This, I'm like, man, this guy is, I'm responsible for all these young people. Like, I felt like, man, I'm responsible. And I'm right here. I'm about, I'm about to be like Big John right there. And just not, I'm very, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not that big, you know, but uh, don't get me to that limit. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a certain, how many have that limit? You know, the, every kid knows their mom, that limit, that boom, all of a sudden, there's that eye, right? I almost blew. I almost lost my salvation. Thank God for people <laughs> that surrounded me in armor bearers. You know, many times on our journey of faith, we encounter opposition like that, don't we? But yet, despite the opposition, we want to get to our destination. But yet, we want to get to our destination now. We want to get there now. But sometimes, sometimes, it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes, even though we want our healing now, we want our breakthrough now, we want our freedom now, we want our family salvation now, a lot of times it doesn't happen now. But God will use a journey. Hello, somebody. It's not a flight, an hour flight, and boom, you get there. No, no. God will take you on a 20-hour journey 
hello, so that you can grow through the oppositions that he allows to come your way. Are you hearing me tonight? So if you're right now facing opposition, I want you to know that you're in a good place. Why? Because God is using that opposition to grow and develop your faith. Somebody shout faith. Somebody shout faith. For the Bible says, for the just shall live by faith. Faith. And faith is not a flight. Faith is a journey. Hello, somebody. Because on the flight, you really don't see anything. Right? For those of you that travel up and down Northern California, right? When you take a flight, you don't see nothing. Oh, but when you're traveling on the freeway, the 5, the 101, the PCH, all of, you see things that you won't see. That's how it is on the journey of faith. You'll encounter things that you won't encounter when you're just living a carefree life. And all of a sudden, we, we find this woman, this who finds herself in a desperate situation. She's desperate. She's in a desperate situation because she has trouble. Trouble at home. Trouble at home. Now, it's different between having trouble at home and having trouble at work. Because when you have trouble at work, you can leave work at 5 o'clock. But when you got trouble at home, you got to see that person when you wake up. <laughs> Come on, married folks. You got to see, you got to wake up to that day. You got to wake up to your wife. You got to wake up to your son. You got to, you see them. So it's different between having trouble at home and trouble at work. This woman had trouble at home. And it wasn't with her marriage. It was with her daughter. Her very own daughter. For the Bible says that her daughter was suffering terribly from the enemy. She was demon possessed. I know we don't face or hear about that a lot nowadays, but I want you to know that the devil is real. Did you hear what I just said? The devil is real, and this woman was fighting a devil. And I know you may feel like, oh, I, how come he's talking about that? Because there is a real devil, and the Bible says that he's out to steal, kill, and destroy to steal your family and destroy your marriage and literally kill your kids. He wants to literally take us out. And maybe you find yourself like this woman, like this mom, and you find yourself in a desperate situation. And you're fighting the devil off of your marriage, fighting the devil off of your kids. Maybe your kids are just running havoc and you don't even know where they're at tonight. And you're just coming here and say, God, I'm desperate because I'm fighting the enemy. And I'm sure like this mother, she tried so many things to help her daughter. But nothing seemed to help. Sometimes it seems helpless when we try all kinds of stuff. And yet nothing helped. But yet this woman was desperate to find a cure for her daughter. She was desperate. You know what I learned? What I learned, don't ever mess with a desperate mother. Don't ever learn to mess with the desperate mom, oh my goodness. Moms, they know how to just flip a switch and all of a sudden just go rogue and all of a sudden just flip out. My mom, my mom, she was never a drug addict. She was never a gang member. She was never, did any drugs, never drank. The hardest drug my dad said she did was Tylenol. That was it. 
she was a cheerleader at high school. She got saved at the age of 16 years old. My mom is five foot high. Five foot. Five foot. Right? Remember us, me, my, myself, and my two sisters? Man, we gave my mom just so many headaches from sleepless nights. Right? Mainly my sisters, not so much me. And uh, this one time, I'm already saved to the Lord, and my younger sister, she wasn't saved yet. And my younger sister begins to, she, she lied to my mom. She told my mom that she was going to sign up as a minister. So, you know, my mom is, you know, she's like, okay, I'll go and go to the place where they're saying, yeah, she's going to work in the night. Moms, be careful when you let your kids spend the night. Anyways, that's another story. All of a sudden, she took off. Now, she was gone, right? All of a sudden, my mom was looked at the floor, and she found a piece of paper. And she picked up the paper, and it was a phone number. She thought the phone number was maybe to her friend's house. So she called the number. Now, this is back in 1996, back in the party key days, if anybody remembers those days. She called the number, and it was a party hotline. Gave the address, the time to the party. All of a sudden, my mom flipped out. Her youngest daughter, the baby of the family, straight lied to my mom. All of a sudden, she called my uncle, which my uncle just got out of prison. Called my uncle, said, hey, my, God, my dad's out of town. He's preaching. He might have been up here. I don't know. He was somewhere, right? And so my dad was always out of town on these stories, isn't he? Anyways, takes my uncle, drives to the party. All of a sudden, he goes to the party. My mom goes to the party, right, with my uncle. And all of a sudden, you know, the house is bumping. It's a backyard party. And there is going berserk. And people are out there in and out. And right there at the gate, you know how they have those bounces and all that? Well, my mom starts walking up. And every, every, every son, every daughter knows the look on that mom's face when they flipped out. So when the bouncers saw my mom, normally you have to pay to get in. But when they saw that my mom walking towards it, they just. All of a sudden, my mom was right there in the backyard, right there, looking, 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 looking. From my sister, looking, looking. My mom never went to a party her entire life. Looking, looking, looking. It's dark. The music's bumping and all that. And my sister's right there with her friends. They're dancing together. I don't know why girls dance together, but they're like in a circle dancing. You know, unda, 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 unda. You know how girls do. Like in a group, you know, like in a circle right there. Unda, unda. And all of a sudden, my mom sees. She doesn't even see my sister's face. But every mom knows the complete makeup of their child. And she saw the, the back of my sister's hair. She didn't even see the front, but she knew. And all of a sudden, my short five-foot mom reached her hand, and that little dancing circle grabbed my sister's hair. Yanked it and started dragging her out of the party. My sister thought someone was trying to get her in a fight, and so she was trying to fight with her and all that. And all of a sudden, my, my uncle, as everybody's like, what in the world is happening? And everybody saw a fight, but everybody saw it was a mom and a child. And what in the world? And then my uncle's right there like, hey, 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 back off, family business. This is family business. Family business. And he pretended like he had a gun, like, hey, 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 hey. You ain't got nothing. All of a sudden, my mom drags my daughter to the car. Now, this is how you know when you're mad. Because my mom, you know, some moms, when you whip kids, right, 
they whipped them real quick. You know, like, bah, 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 real quick. Not this time. My mom was, every word she was hitting my, my sister. What were you doing? You were lying at me. Sometimes she had double syllabus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nevertheless. All of a sudden, my, my sister's getting smacked up in the back of the car right there. This mom was desperate. And you might find yourself like this mother, desperate. And I want you to know something. I want you to know something. When you're in a desperate situation, that's when you're get, that's when your faith grows. Are you hearing me? Because it's, des- it's in a desperate situation where our faith grows. We seldom grow in our faith when we're living a troubled, carefree life. Right? But it's only unless when we encounter situations that look hopeless, situations that look like there's no way out. It's in those times. So this Gentile woman, she goes to Jesus. Just like those four, just like those four men carrying their friend. They heard that Jesus was touching and healing people. So this woman went to Jesus, went to where he was staying at. As they were eating, she went to him, and she cried out, and she said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You got to remember, though, that this woman was a Gentile. What does that mean? That means that she wasn't under the covenant of the Israelites. Understand what I'm saying? Let me let me let me break it down to you. It's like you get in a car wreck and you don't have car insurance, but yet you expect full coverage. <laughs> now you guys all get what I'm talking about, right? That's this woman. This woman, she is in. She doesn't have covenant. She doesn't have a contract. She is a Gentile, but yet she is expecting full coverage. Some of us as Christians, we tend to get like that. We stop missing church. We stop paying our tithes, right? We stop praying and, and, and believing God, but then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And we're saying, God, even though all hell is breaking loose, I still want full coverage. But yeah, you're out of covenant. Oh, you ain't hearing me. You haven't been tithing, but yet God, please provide. Hey, you're, you're, you're out of contract. You're out of covenant. You, there's, you don't got full coverage. Because if you paid your tithes, then you would know that I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Oh, I'm preaching now. Are you hearing me? And, and we start saying, Lord, if you would just get me out of this one, I'll start going to church. If you, Lord, if you just bail me out of this one, Lord, I'll, I'll stop being a faithful tither. Lord, if you just do this, that was this woman. This woman was asking for something that was not rightfully hers. She was trying to get Jesus' attention to heal her daughter. And look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? The Bible says that he did not say a word. He didn't say nothing. Here, the woman find, is disappointed. She traveled so far. And Jesus didn't say a word. 
I'm sure she was disappointed. Some of you, these past two nights, maybe you've come to church and you feel like, man, God hasn't spoke to me. I see people get healed, brother, brother Sheldon, other people getting saved. And Lord, I'm like, you haven't spoken to me. What, Lord, I, what, what, what about you? And you might be here tonight even feeling a bit disappointment. What do you do when you come to church? You go to life group, you've been faithful, and God doesn't speak a word to you. I'm sure, like this woman, you may feel disappointed. You know, the reality is we wish all our prayers to be answered right away. We wish that everything we ask from God, that he would give it to us. But the fact of the matter is this, is that there are numerous of times that God doesn't speak when we ask him to. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, I travel the world praying for people, praying God to heal people, praying God to touch people. And like Brother Shouted, people have been healed. But I want you to know that I have a daughter that suffers from eczema, a severe case, and asthma. And we prayed for her since she was born, and God has not healed her yet. Times we have to take into the emergency room, urgent care. These are things that you don't post on social media. You don't want everybody to worry or get all stressed about, but these are things that personally that we are encountering ourselves. And yeah, I say, God, I'm praying for everybody else and you're healing them. What about me? What about us? How come my prayers are not being answered? You know what I came to realize through my course of serving the Lord these past 22 years is that our faith grows the most is in the silent moments of our life. When God is not moving. When nothing is happening. Because it's real easy to have faith when God's moving. An atheist can have faith when God's moving. Oh, but real faith kicks in when God ain't moving and God ain't speaking. And you don't got the goosebumps and you don't got the electricity going through you. It's in those times, the silent moments of your life when all hell is breaking loose. You're barely meeting ends meet. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You're going through the fire. It's in those moments when your faith is tried and tested to see if it's real or not. Because it's in those times when nothing is happening and we're saying, Lord, even though I don't see it, you're still working. Like that song says, even though I don't feel it, you're still working. Even though nothing is happening, God, you're still working. It may be behind the scenes and I may not see what you're doing, but I got faith to know that you are working it out for my good. Somebody clap your hands and shout and give God a radical praise. That's when real faith kicks in because you don't need faith when it's out here in the open. You need faith to believe what God's doing behind the curtain. Oh, you ain't hearing me tonight. And this woman, instead of getting discouraged, instead of leaving, instead of calling it quits, and said, so, you know, I'm never going to go back to that church. Forget about it. I'm not going to go. Forget about it. I'm not going to. You know, I don't know what happened. This woman got determined. She was determined. 
Here, here's the crazy thing, though. Even though this woman got determined, the disciples got annoyed with her. You know, church folk will get annoyed with you. <laughs> Matter of fact, they got so annoyed that they even replied to Jesus when they told Jesus, Jesus, please send this woman away, for she cries out after us. Now, we got to remember that they were Jews. She was a Gentile. They don't mix. They don't have nothing in common. And they're saying, Jesus, send this woman away. For she is crying out after us. Notice how they use that word us. Like this woman came to them. This woman wasn't speaking to them. She didn't want the disciples. She wanted the leader. Hello, somebody. That's how you can know if you're the leader or the disciple. Because when people are going through stuff, they don't want the, the little honchos. They want the head honcho. Give me the head honcho. I don't, want, I don't need a man. Like, you know, when you call places, like, and you're speaking to somebody, representative, I don't want to talk to you. Give me the manager. No. How can I help you? No, 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 no. The way you can help me is get me your manager. me the manager. I like this woman. I like her because she didn't quit. I like her because she didn't throw in the towel. I like her because she didn't leave. I like her because you know why too many people quit too soon on their miracle. There were some people that were here Thursday night and God was saying just keep on coming. It might have not been Thursday night, but keep on coming Friday night. And they might have came and said nothing to happen yet. They said, I'm not going to come. No, God said keep on coming. Don't quit. Don't quit. And for those of you that came tonight, get ready. Because you're like this woman that didn't leave, didn't quit, didn't throw in the towel. You said, God, I ain't leaving this place until I get my miracle. She had determined faith. She didn't leave. Matter of fact, you know what she did? Verse 25 says, and she came and worshipped him. Ooh, that's powerful right there. In in the midst of haters, in the midst of people talking about her, the Bible says that she began to worship. See, it's real easy to praise and worship God when things are going great. You got the job. You got data. <laughs> right? But real faith. Can, 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 can you hear me? Real faith knows how to worship in the midst of crisis. Because here's where we can tell the difference between somebody who is a real worshiper. Oh, a real, because the Bible says that a real worshiper worshipers in what? Spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth, right? See, there's a difference between a praiser and a worshiper because the Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So even sinners can praise God. But to worship, woo, that's why you don't see sinners lifting up their hands or closing their eyes. Why? Because you got to worship in spirit and in truth. Take out your keys. Do we have keys? Anybody have keys? Take out your keys. Keys, keys. Take out your keys. 
Can I see your keys? You got a lot of keys. Look at this. All right. Look, give the keys out. Give the keys out. I like yours better. You have more keys in here. You need this key over there. So we got a lot of keys over here. Wow, look at this. Come on, take them out. Look at your keys. Get your keys. Come on. Men from the life. Uh, right now. I'm just glad I see keys, though, because before they just locked the key and I never saw nothing. You know, you know, every key on your kingdom is something you own. It's just something you belong. It's something that belongs to you. Right now, if I were to take these keys away from you, then you'd be out of luck, wouldn't you? You couldn't drive. You couldn't get into your into your house. You couldn't get into your safe. Everything you own is right here. Come on, ring it with me. Everything you own, everything, everything is in the sound of these keys. Everything, everything you own, right? All the doors in your house, the garage, the car, his car, her car, your kid's car, your work, your business, right here is the church. Everything you own is in the sound of these keys. Are you hearing me? I came to tell you the key to your miracle is in the sounds of your worship. Everything you want, everything you need God to do, everything you want God to unlock for you. I wish I had a witness. I wish I had somebody that understood what I was saying. Every miracle you want the Lord to unlock for you, every miracle is in the sound of your worship. If you would just worship God, if you would just praise God, that's why you can't be silent. That's why you can't just sit still. That's why you can't just come to church late and miss the best part of the whole service. No, you got to learn that it's in your worship that you begin to open the windows of heaven. And the glory of God falls in this place. Somebody lift up your hands and begin to worship God. Oh, it's in your worship. Come on, for the next few moments, just worship the Lord. Come on, worship the Lord. Come on, right there. Come on, worship Him. If you need a healing, say, God, you're my healer. If you need God to provide, say, God, you're my provider. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that this woman began to worship. Now you got to remember, you got to remember, look up here. She didn't have State Farm insurance, but yet she was asking the State Farm owner to hook her up. Are you hear what I'm saying? So this woman worshiped Jesus, and, and, and all of a sudden, the Bible says that Jesus finally spoke to her. He finally spoke. And he, this is what he told her. He said, it is not right 
and they take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Ooh, that sounds cruel, doesn't it? It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dog. Basically, he's calling her a dog. And when you read it at first, it sounds like Jesus is unkind, insensitive to this woman's desperation. Because at first, Jesus ignored her. Now, Jesus is calling her a dog. Come on, that, that's, if your pastor ever calls you, you would leave the church straight up. If instead of coming up here and said, you know what, you're a dog. What? Get out of here. Come on, let's be real. I know you love him, but you're out of here. other people do. For example, Joshua and Caleb, 12 spies went to the promised land. They every all 10 came back with a negative. They came back with a positive. They saw something different. Are you hearing me? Other folks when they would have heard that from Jesus, they would have left. They would have said, "Man, forget this man." But this woman recognized something that even Jesus the Jews, the people that were in covenant with him didn't even recognize. She saw something that even his own people, and still to this day, the Israelites still don't see it. Jesus said in John 6, 48, he says, I am the bread of life. John 6, verse 51 says, then Jesus declared, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This woman recognized, not even the own, his own disciples recognized, that Jesus is the bread of life. The bread of life. She saw it. She caught it. She realized it. She Something snapped. She figured it out like, hey, disciples, do you not know that he is the bread of life? He's the bread. I like this woman's comeback. Kind of like reminds me of Pastor Steve Will Ritty. I think Pastor Steve would have said this, right? You know, what this, look at what this woman is. This woman's bad. Like this woman. This woman, she's a straight up victory outreach, heart of the bay type of woman. Straight up. Even probably from Oakland. That's how crazy she was. Because you know what she says? She says, she says, she says, she says, she says, she says, yeah, you're right. I'm a dog. Straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm a stinking dog. crumbs that fall from the master's table. See, you got to understand something. You got to understand something. You got to understand. You got to you got to understand something. You know, I have a I have a dog. How many dog lovers out there? I have a dog. I have a dog. I have a and she's a golden retriever. Right? And uh, 
man, she loves people. First off, she was crazy. She got us a puppy. She was wild. She was up everything. I didn't even want to get rid of her at a time. But now she's part of the family. She has to be in the family pictures. Her name's Sparky. Good old Sparky. Right? Good dog name. Good family dog. You know, my wife loves I mean, we all love her. Sparky. When I come home, she's the first one to greet me. My wife said, how come you don't say hello? I said, well, she was at the door waiting for me. You weren't her. over, right? You, you know, when we have people over, love to fellowship. And when we fellowship, we, we, we have what? Food. Right? Well, I remember this one time we were celebrating my daughter's birthday. We had cake, right? Cake. Those of those who do birth cake. And all the guests were there, right? We had cookies and all that. And, you know, sometimes people are messy. How many of you know that, right? Some people are messy. I'm kind of messy, to be honest. And people were dropping crumbs all over my floor, man. All over the floor. All over the floor. All over the place, man. Right? And some of the some of the gang girls were hey, hey, you want us to clean up? You want us to get the crumbs? And I was like, no, no, it's good, it's good. Sparky. She'll eat the crumbs. Don't worry about it. We got our own vacuum cleaner. Her name's Sparky. Sure enough, she went we were around the entire house eating all the crumbs from the cr- cake and all that. You know, here's the thing though, here's the thing about a crumb. Here's the thing about the crumb is that when you make a cake, you put all these ingredients into the cake. You put flour. How many bakers out there? Right? You put eggs. Right? You put uh, baking, baking soda. You put oil, sugar. Right? Some of you guys put even more sugar. Even more sugar. Right? Some of you eggs, oil, the flour, and the baking soda, all this stuff into the cake, and then you put it in the oven, and you keep it. The thing about it is that my daughter, she was still a sweetie. Even though it was just a crumb, it had all the ingredients as the full cake. So what was ever in the cake is in the crumb. So if the cake had flour, the crumbs have flour. If the cake had oil, then the crumbs had oil. If, if the cake had sugar, then the crumbs had sugar. And, and, and here's the thing. This woman recognized. She said all the Israelites they don't even know what to do with the full loaf of bread, Jesus. They got the full loaf. They got the full loaf. And they don't even know what to do. And I want you to know, Jesus, that I don't need the full loaf. Oh, you ain't hearing me. She's saying, Jesus, I don't even need the full loaf. If you would just give me a. Oh, 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 oh. If you would just give me a. If you would just give me a. A crumb. Because if there's healing in the loaf, then there's healing in the crumb. If there's deliverance in the loaf, then there's deliverance in the crumb. I just need a crumb. Somebody clap your hands and shout and give God a radical praise. 
I want you to shake hands with five people and tell them, just give me a crumb. Just give me a crumb. Just give me a crumb.